This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, it's Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Hi, I'm Java Chapman, filling in for Kevin Farrell this morning with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired oh, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Now, with the changing of the seasons, the natural soundscape also changes, even at night. So what can the attentive listener hear in the evening, this time of year, as late spring blends into early summer, today we're going to welcome back our good friend, biologist Joe McGee, to help us out with that, to also let us know what he's been seeing and hearing this time of year. Also, Dr. Troy Major is here for your pet questions, and Libby is always ready to help with your latest brush with nature. Join today's show, one eight seven seven. MPB ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Also want to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it also repeats every Saturday morning at six AM. So good morning to our Saturday morning listeners. Um Libby, how are you doing this uh this early Thursday morning? I know you had a late Wednesday night. Yes, I'm doing great, and it was a wonderful night. Uh, lots of fireflies blinking. So tell us about the event. It was at the uh, at the Clinton Nature Center um, just last night, correct? Right, Clinton Nature Center, and I think there were about 100 people there, uh, lots of families, lots of kids, and we didn't have quite as many fireflies as I had hoped we would have. They've got challenges there in the middle of a town, but uh, they were blinking, and people walked around and got to see them, and hopefully, you know, after each event, I've had several people send me um, texts on the phone saying that they've gone home and found them, so if you're listening and uh, you want to see fireflies, go outside tonight about 9 o'clock, or, you know, find some dark woods. Uh, We think that's kind of the issue at... um, Clinton is uh, between mosquito fogging and the darkness. It's pretty hard for that population to um, keep going. But they're they're along the trace. So if you can't, you know, if you can't find a, a piece of woods on your own, you can try going to somewhere on the Natchez Trace. And uh, but people are finding them all over the state. It's pretty gratifying. And we were talking offline. You said a, another great place. I believe was it the uh, the Craftsman's Guild. Yes, the Craftsman's Guild, they're a rice road uh, right behind their building. There's a great one. They did a wonderful event um, last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Remember, Claire talked about it on our show. Claire Graves organized it and um, sold about 400 tickets for the Craftsman's Guild. So um, that was a really good event, and that's an incredible population. So if you live anywhere close to there, it's probably true that you're going to have them in any dark woods that you've got. So I guess the key to seeing some uh, great fireflies is uh, having some dark woods. It's not really, uh, uh, I guess, uh, anything uh, city dwellers could uh, look forward to. Well, you know, and I I don't know. In fact, um, it would be nice for 
for people to start looking. But yeah, it does have to be dark. And you and I said one of the most limiting factors is usually even if we're awake at nine and nine thirty, we're watching television or doing something else and um, not getting outside. So and that's the time when they're the best. Starting about eight thirty, I can see a few, and then by nine thirty. Um, you know, that's just an incredible light show. And even with the full moon lately, it's been fun for me. You know, moon shadow is a real thing. And uh, you're aware of it when you've got a full moon and you're looking for something in the dark spots. And every place there was a moon shadow, there would be a little group of fireflies. And then in a place where there was a lot of um, moonlight on the ground, uh, you know, they'd moved out of there. And uh, Jay White, you were just telling me uh, Jay White is running our uh, boards this morning. Um, where again is the is the Craftsman Craftsman's Guild? If uh, someone wants to go out and visit, it's in yeah, Gosh, it, they can... yeah, just like she oh. said, Rice, just off Rice Road there in Ridgeland, near, uh, very near the Natchez Trace exit in that area. Yeah, and that part of the Natchez Trace has really good fireflies because it's deep dark woods. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. And nobody's bothered them. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Although I have teased that they like an audience right now. So. They yeah. don't seem to mind us watching as long as we don't walk around in there and start swatting them or catching them. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dr. Major, good morning. Uh, uh, you're, you're joining us also. We have a, a quick email I wanted to get to you. Um, how are you doing on this Thursday? Good, good. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Um, yeah, this um, this email is really kind of uh, interesting because the title of it <laughs> is Foxes in Clinton. So um, listen to this. We live within the city limits of Clinton, but part of our property is wooded and backs up to 100 plus acres of thick woods. We've been occasionally seeing a single fox for a while and being awakened in the middle of the night by its blood curdling bark and scream one day last week my wife was working at the kitchen table in the mid-afternoon and looked out the window to see six foxes lounging and playing around a couple of times we've been within 15 or 20 feet of one and they don't seem to have any fear of us now they're very cute and we've enjoyed watching them but we do need to be but do we need to be concerned we have three dogs and one of them is a six pound I know I'm going to get this wrong, but a papillion and three outdoor cats. Do the foxes pose any danger to them? Great question. And uh, yes, in answer to that question, yes, they can pose a danger to small small dogs and cats. Uh, a lot of times they will literally raise, and I'm sure this is probably uh a pair of foxes with offspring, and they will raise in an area close by uh, houses and this sort of thing. They're pretty adept at that. Uh, I can remember one about three years ago in the subdivision where I lived that had uh, baby foxes, and everybody thought it was so cute, and they are. But at the same time, they can uh, take down a cat or a small dog. That's another reason, too, to be careful and also to have your animals vaccinated. And Libby, um, I guess with, with foxes being so close to houses, is uh, is that calls to, uh, I guess, call our um, wildlife uh, and fisheries department and alert them, or is it just nature being nature? I think that's just nature being nature, yeah. If uh, 
foxes, like Troy says, foxes bump up against humans all around. And, you know, most of the calls I get are people that are really happy to see the foxes, especially when they get to watch some of the baby foxes. That's, you know, great fun when they roll around and play. But I think that's a time when we need to talk about getting those cats inside and uh, taking, you know, paying attention to what your little dogs are doing, too, because you don't want them to interact. Libby, oddly enough, uh, this is one of those calls we get for the famed <clears throat> chupacabra. Uh, <laughs> they quite often can have uh, demodectic mange, which is oh, a yeah. disease that affects them. They have no hair, very little hair, and turn kind of blue, and this and it makes exaggerates the head and everything else. So this uh, has has some calls. It's really more dramatic in codes or that sort of thing. But uh, it, caution with wildlife, we've in, em, emphasized that. Uh, it's better not to offer them any food, uh, just as yes. well as with raccoons. But remember that uh, it is one reason to keep your uh, pets vaccinated, just in case there should be a fight or a bite. All right. Well, before and we take our... Troy, no, go ahead, Libby. that's sick like that, would they either take it to their own vet or is it better to get call one of the rehabbers and take it there? I say a rehabber uh, would be the best. I have taken care of foxes before. In fact, I kept one. Gosh, when I ran the emergency clinic years ago, uh, kept a fox for quite a while and then turned it loose once it had rehabbed uh, at that point. But uh, be careful. That's what I could say. They are wild animals. Well, before yeah, it would probably be difficult to to get it into the show unless it's very sick. Yeah, right. One of the rehabbers may want to call us if anybody's listening as to how they deal with that. Well, before we take our next break, let's um, uh, go to the phones. We have um, one of our regular callers now on uh, Creature Comforts um, every Thursday morning, uh, Mr. John uh, in Jackson. Good morning, John. Hello there. Hello, Libby. How are the grandkids? Hi, John. How are the grandkids? Oh, good. Very good. Well, you may recall my perverse fascination with the sinister aspects of nature. While, while we're thinking of the... Uh, cicada emergence brood 10 coming out unfortunately not here uh, again nature has outdone herself with something really sinister uh, they have a fungus disease which turns them white and transmits itself by making the males hypersexual and wants to mate with more females and even more shocking than that the males may mimic female behavior for more mating and the spreading of the disease. How's that for sinister? That is pretty strange. I have heard that there's some weird cicada diseases. Luckily, they don't seem to transmit it to anybody or anything else. No. But um, they're uh, they're unusual animals. They're magnificent animals, and uh, I I hope this doesn't harm the cicada. The, uh, the uh, periodical populations, but once again, nature is beautiful and wonderful and complicated, but sometimes just a little scary. 
Well, we thank you, Mr. D- uh, Davis, for that for that call. And I've heard th- some of the reports about the cicadas uh, and their and their strange strange behavior uh, that's going to be going on, especially with the 17 year uh, cicadas happening. Uh, but we're going to continue on. We have our good friend Joe McGee. He's going to be joining the show after the break. And as always, he has some great observations. And of course, we got to put him to the test and put you to the test as we play some uh, sights and with some sounds. Uh, from from nature that you can be hearing this time of year. So if you want to join the uh, show, you may have a pet question or let us know about your latest brush with nature. Um, give us a call. 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. Or send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after the break. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. You're listening to MPB Think Radio, and this is Creature Comforts. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Farrell taking a much-needed vacation. So enjoy yourself, Kevin. (laughs) But I'm here today with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And if you want to join the conversation with a question or comment, call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And Libby and Troy, uh, I don't know if you can check your email right now, but I just sent you an email um, with a picture that was uh, with that Foxes in Clinton email that we read earlier. And uh, true enough, there are baby foxes and they are just all over uh, these people's furniture. And to your point, they do look cute, but I don't know if you just want to go out there and, uh, and, and, and play with the foxes. So if you can get a chance to look at that. And we we do uh, enjoy when our listeners send in those great nature pictures, and you can do so uh, at animals at mpbonline.org. But let's welcome our guests. Let's welcome our guests. I was just going to say, these look very healthy, at least. They're adorable and healthy, but yeah, don't touch. (laughs) Yeah, please don't touch. Yeah, that is a, it's a cute, a very cute picture. I may have to post this with the, uh, with, with the show, uh, with the, um, the podcast later on. But, uh. Good uh good morning Joe um Joe McGee biologist Joe McGee a, a a featured I would say a featured guest a favorite guest a friend of the show uh thank you for joining us again how are you doing today sir doing fine doing fine thanks for the compliments <laughs> oh well well deserved well deserved we love when you come on the show you always have some great observations and bring good insight to um the uh, nature scene here in uh jackson metro area and around mississippi period so i'll just start off like we do with libby um what are, what, are, what are you seeing right now uh joe lots of stuff lots of stuff this morning uh I stepped outside and I heard, I didn't actually see it, but I heard a yellow-throated vireo, which is a neat bird to hear. They, they breed in Mississippi, but I've had 
this one's singing now throughout the spring, and I'm wondering if perhaps it's nesting in my yard or, or in the you know in the area nearby. That's kind of nice. I've had a white-eyed vireo also singing another one of the vireos, uh, and I have found their nests in the past um, near my yard, not right in the yard, but nearby. I've had that, but I have to tell you something interesting. Uh, I've been going out looking for the, the synchronous fireflies that Libby has been talking about. And one night I was on a road I had never, it's a, an unpaved road, so I'm reluctant to go on that road if it's been raining a lot. But it, it, we haven't had rain in several days. So I traveled down that road and I heard uh, a bird called a Chuck Wills Widow, which was, which was kind of nice, as well as finding the fireflies on that road. I had never looked for the fireflies on that particular road before. So that was all kind of nice. Lots of stuff going on. This has been a great spring for, for a lot of stuff. Well, that's uh, that's good. I've I've kind of upped my game on um on uh, uh bird bird watching and things. I've commented on the the cardinals that I've been seeing in my in my yard. My wife she saw the uh, same uh, red cardinals outside the window, and uh, she, I didn't even mention it. And I was thinking it about getting a bird feeder, and she was like, "Hey, we need to get a bird feeder." These birds are they, they keep popping up, so we I think we're gonna um tackle that this this Memorial Day weekend and uh and try to invite some more some more friends over to the and, over to the house. And your your kids will love it once they once the birds find the feeder and start coming on a routine basis. And uh you can put a field guide by the window and start learning to identify those birds. Yeah, actually, I downloaded the, um, I believe it's the iNaturalist app on my phone. So when I'm able to, um, when I can, when I see something, I can uh, quickly go to it and snap the picture. That's a quick tip for anybody who wants to, um, I guess, to get into the bird watching game or the nature game. Download those uh, different free apps. In uh, yes, yes, that, absolutely. Yeah, it will. Now, um, you sent over a couple, a couple notes. Of things that you wanted to talk about today and one of my favorite things we have some sounds coming up are the frogs and you were saying if you um live near a, a watery habitat um there are some specific things that you can be be looking for um as the seasons the seasons change that's right uh it's warm now and one of my one of did i lose you no no you, you we're still here okay. go ahead joe okay i, I heard a beep you, you never know about phones uh, yeah, the, the green tree frogs are singing now, and it's one of the most beautiful frogs. They're a beautiful, oh, grass green, I guess I should say, with little flecks of uh, uh, yellow or cream color or orange. The little flecks maybe, uh, I think they look pretty orange to me, but, uh, and they are now calling in full force. Uh, the last two or three nights I've had surround sound. I could hear choruses of green tree frogs calling from every direction. Beautiful sound uh, and a beautiful frog if you happen to run across one. The interesting thing about frogs, it can, you know, learning to appreciate frogs can enhance your evening experiences. You can learn to identify almost all of them without ever seeing one uh, by their sounds. They're, they're pretty distinctive. Uh, and the green tree frog has one of the most distinctive sounds of all, I think. And they—they are a warm weather frog. You don't hear them when the weather's cool, but uh, now that things have really warmed up, I'm hearing green tree frogs almost every night. Now I think we have the green tree frog sound um, ready to ready to pull up. Let's um let's let's take a little listen, and I I have a comment. Go ahead, okay. Uh, Jay. Oh, okay. 
Now, uh, Joe, how many about how many uh, green tree frogs do you think that that was, or is that is that a chorus? Well, wait a minute. That was not green tree frogs. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Somebody is that. Those were which which we can which we're also calling this time here. Those are gray tree frogs. Oh, okay. So somebody pressed the wrong button, I guess. But that's yeah. fine. That's another. That's there. You can hear those at night as well. Uh, yeah, um, I, I actually played the wrong one, but my man is on top of his game right there. Well, there you go, Joe. Like you, like you said, you can, identi- you can identify them without even seeing them. That was an accidental Absolutely. test that he passed with flying color. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, it, uh, yeah, those, that's another a favorite of mine, the, the great tree frogs. But do you want to try to play the green? Do you have the green one? Can you pull that one up? Yeah, we're going to. We, there we go. Now, to me, to me, that sounds like a, a, a group of birds or something. Well, oh, yeah. That, that now that's that was Green Tree Fox. It was and it was a soloist, if you will, in the foreground, a soloist Green Tree Frog. But in the background, you could hear the whole chorus. No, a, a chorus of Green Tree Frogs sounds different than, and this is true for a lot of the frogs and toads. Uh, a chorus will sound quite different than the individual frogs calling up close. Now, Joe, where do we get this? I don't know when we learned way back in elementary school this ribbit, this ribbit sound because that that did not sound. Don't, neither no. the gray tree or the green tree frog was not a ribbit, a ribbit, ribbit sound. <laughs> That's exactly right. No, the ribbit sound is a is a West Coast frog. Oh, okay. It's it's, it's one you'll never hear in in uh, Mississippi or you know or the Southeast. That's, and I suppose. Um, that got started from you know the movies were made out in California, right? Originally, and when they needed a a frog soundtrack, that's what they went to. Even though the the movie might be taking place in Georgia or, or Mississippi or someplace, they used the sounds that they have available. Uh, but yeah, the the ribbit or the ribbit sound is uh, is not one you'll hear naturally in Mississippi. That's funny because that's uh, sort of like uh, I can I know Neil deGrasse Tyson the um, astrophysicist he often uh points out uh scientific uh incorrections uh in in movies and the biggest right. one was uh the titanic he said that was not the sky uh that the titanic would have saw in the uh in the movie because it's just you know it's it's not possible <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the uh the constellations he he's very well aware that those would not be the constellations you'd see if you were in that part of the on that part of the globe so we got the rib the ribbit sound because of the uh, the the movies. <laughs> the same thing happens with, with excuse me, uh, in a western movie. You see somebody out in the middle of the desert, and they're you know they're starving to death for water, and you see the vultures circling overhead. But the sound you hear is a red sh- red tailed hawk. <laughs> uh, it's uh, once you learn a little bit about natural history. It will puncture holes in some of the movies you see. <laughs> that is so. That is so. That is so funny. With the sound effects, yeah. Well, today we're talking with um, biologist Joe McGee uh, about some of the sights and sounds and um, incorrections <laughs> that can be found in in the Hollywood movies. Uh, we're gonna go to the phone lines. We have a um, caller who has some uh, uh, some questions and want to report about uh, fireflies. Let's talk with Rob this morning. Good morning, Rob. 
Good morning. Hey, I just wanted to say that I've, I've, I live in northeast Jackson around the Heatherwood area, and I've seen a, a lot of fireflies um, the last few days. Um, I suspect that's because there are lots of trees, old trees over there perhaps. Libby, is that, does that sound, that sound about right to you in northeast Jackson? Yeah, and Rob, are you are you seeing them early? They're, you know, they're different species. Are you seeing them like at dusk? Are you I'm seeing, seeing them early dusk, in the evening? Yeah, like? between seven and eight at dusk. Yeah. Yeah, those are what we call big dippers, and they have a very bright light, which means that they live closer to people generally because their light can handle. They can compete. And that's one of the problems with these little synchronous ones is that they have a much weaker light and a, what we call a lantern. And their lanterns are not strong enough to compete with the lights. But that's, the Big Dipper is a great one, and he does occur in, um, uh, they occur in neighborhoods a good bit. And they, they come out early in the year. And um, I've read books that say they assume that that's probably the most um, successful of all the fireflies. So you find them... And a lot of cold weather, so you find them up north. I think Ohio, particularly, they have a lot of fireflies. And that's and, it. And They're the. A, um, uh-huh. Sorry, I had a follow up. Sorry, when you were done with that about one of their predators, my cat. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, your cat, your cat, Rob, Rob, your cat uh, goes after the fireflies? Well, she goes about after anything, but we have a calico that came to us at about seven months old. Of course, we took her to get spayed and get shots, and we continue to do that. She's about a year and a half, but she gets she's an indoor-outdoor cat, and she wakes us up at around, you know, three and all hours of the morning, and a lot of times we thought it was, we thought it was just to, uh, to go outside, but a lot of times it's just to watch her eat, it seems. What, what is, I haven't done a lot of research, but why, did, why in the world does she want us to watch her eat? Dr. Major? The question is, why does she want to watch watch her eat? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, I mean, she goes yeah. outside, but a lot of times she spends time just yeah. sitting there eating and enjoying being, you know, being watched. Is she cat food then, or catching something? No, cat food. Okay. It's because she's a cat. You know, uh, cats are <laughs> weird creatures, and at times you think you know your cat, and then all of a sudden... You may think you have a different cat out there, but she, I guess, enjoys uh, you watching her eat. Uh, at three in the at three behavior. in the morning. Yeah. Well, who's up at three in the morning watching their cat? Anyway, I have to say that. The only time I'm up at three o'clock with the cat is if they run across my head uh, in the bed. But yeah, I, I'd say that that's probably more normal than not. Uh, but. Uh, that's that is pretty amazing. I guess she's doing it because she shows you that hey, she enjoys her food, and she likes you. And I think she just tells us what to do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think she likes to mess with you in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> well, I need to stop that. But thank y'all for your help. Appreciate that, Rob. That was uh, yeah. for for, join, for joining us this morning. I don't know if that's something you want to. Stop or encourage, but I guess um, you have to 
I don't know. I'm, I'm a dog person. That's all I have to say about that one. <laughs> I like your answer, Doctor Major. It's just it's just because she it's just because it's a cat. Like there's no other explanation for that except it's a cat. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take our next right. break. Right, and, and you know, you know, one of the questions you have about cats is, you know, why do they knock stuff off the table uh, or counter? It's because they can. And that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> and that's all it is, too. Let's take our next break for the hour. We're um, here just having a good time this Thursday morning uh, with Joe McGee, biologist Joe McGee. He's been letting us know about what he's been seeing and hearing um, around the area. And we have some more uh, frog sounds we're going to test him with <laughs> coming up after the break so stay tuned also if you have a question for dr major or want to let us know about your latest brush with nature especially if you've been seeing some fireflies give us a call one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org this is creature comforts only on mpb think radio On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Creature Conference right here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And I guess for the hour is friend of the program, biologist Joe McGee. And if you missed any of today's show, or if you have to run away for whatever reason, <laughs> download the MPB public media app and tune into the podcast. Uh, or just subscribe to the podcast using any podcasting app. We have some open phone lines, um, 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. Um, if you have a question or send us an email, that's animals at mpbonline.org. Now, Joe, we, um, we're talking a little bit about frogs, and one that you mentioned, but we didn't uh, play the play the sound, and I know we can get very specific because there are two different species of cricket frogs found here in um in mississippi is that correct that's right that's right uh the northern cricket frog and the southern cricket frog and i hear the southern cricket frog almost everywhere i go this time of year they're calling from every pond every ditch every hole of water you might say uh, I don't hear the northern cricket frogs as as much as I do the uh, southern cricket frogs, and it may be because I don't get out as much or around. I know that on the uh, the Mississippi frog songs that that Bill Turcott recorded, he he recorded the northern cricket frogs at uh, the Pearl River Wildlife Management Area. So I'm playing a little trip out there. I've been trying to uh, photograph and record the frogs in Mississippi. And he recorded those there, the northern cricket frog, at the at that wildlife management area. And it's also interesting, his recording of the bullfrog, uh, the same uh, CD or tape, if you happen to have the, the cassette, 
the, his recording of the bullfrog bull has northern cricket frogs in the background. So they do occur in Mississippi, and I have heard them up at uh, at Chula in, in years past, but I don't hear the northern cricket frogs nearly as often. Well, let's take a let's take a listen to the. Um, I think we have that the northern the northern cricket frog. Let's take let's take a listen to that real quick. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe describe that sound, uh, yeah, Joe. It's, it's just uh, um, Mr. Turcotte in his little booklet that accompanied his recordings. He described it as gick gick g i k you know gick 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 gick. Okay, uh, okay. But p- can you play the southern cricket frog? And you will. It, this is one of the frog species that's, that can be difficult to. Uh, separate by sound alone they, they're they're pretty similar but if you could if you could play the southern cricket frog you'll see what i mean yeah let's let's get into this southern cricket frog i think we have that too it's like a little it's like a, a, a softer geek yeah And then are those those southern cricket frogs in that background? Are some closer, and you know some in the in the, in the background? The, yeah, those were southern cricket frogs. Southern cricket frogs to me sound like somebody clicking two marbles together, or maybe two pebbles <laughs> together. Uh, it has that sound, but but it's a tricky identification. And when we used to do the uh, official amphibian monitoring routes. Uh, you were allowed to just check cricket frog. You didn't ha- necessarily have to specify which species you thought it was because it, it is difficult to tell sometimes if they're off in the, especially if they're off in the distance. Now let's. Um, I know we've talked about this before on previous shows, but um, the gopher frog, if I can remember, that was that was on the endangered list, um, or is it, or is it still on the endangered list? The the, the gopher frog. Yes. Yeah, it yes. is. It's that's a species only found way down in South Mississippi. Uh, for a long time, there was just one small and dwindling population in Harrison County and in, in the National Forest down there. But uh, it has been relocated in some other spots now, and I believe there's populations in uh, Jackson County as well as Harrison County. But but yeah, that's a that's a an endangered species. It has such specific habitat requirements. One of the requirements for its habitat is fire. Believe it or not, you wouldn't think a frog needs fire, but uh, the pools that they nest in, I'm sorry that they breed in, not nest in. That would be birds. The pools that they breed in need to be free of fish and uh, insects that might prey on the tadpoles. Oh, this wow. is true for most frogs, but most other frogs uh, get around it in different ways. But but that frog got down to one small population that was in a pond that was fish free, and dra- dra- we're talking about dragonflies. Dragonflies can eat the uh, the tadpoles, feed on the tadpoles. But if the pond dries up in late summer, say that will eliminate any fish that might have gotten in there or the dragonflies, and it makes it possible for the uh, gopher frogs to successfully reach adulthood well we're talking with um uh, biologist joe mcgee this morning on creature comforts about some of the uh frogs and birds that can be seen around around mississippi um but we do have several callers 
callers on the line, and we want to go to the phones this morning. And let's talk with uh, Rachel, Rachel in Eupora. Uh, good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm great, and I hope you guys are. So my question is, or I'll make a comment first, I do have a cat, but he stays inside. I keep him inside because I don't want him to catch frogs and birds and lizards and all of the creatures outside. He's a happy cat inside. And uh, so there are cats, though, that roam the neighborhood. They do belong to somebody. And I want to know, how do you deter cats from coming into your yard? I want to be able to feed the birds. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Cats are, you know, their own masters. It's hard to discipline cats inside I, I or can outside. barely hear you. All right, Rachel. I think uh, Joe, he was he was just coming also to, to Dr. Major's earlier point. Cats will be cats. It's kind of hard to um, uh, deter. I don't know, Dr. Major, are there any 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 deterrents to keeping cats out of your yard? You know, very difficult. And, you know, there have been lawsuits and fights about cats uh, getting on people's cars and scratching them, this sort of thing, but also the depredation of uh, birds. And, this, you know, when you put out a bird feeder, and you've got cats in the neighborhood, you're actually making it more attractive for the cats uh, uh-huh. to come and prey on the birds. So be careful uh-huh. with that. Uh, I would, uh, you know, there, there's not an easy way to keep cats out of your yard. Now, a dog may help if you had a dog outside. The dog uh-huh. might help keep the cats out of the yard. But that is a difficult thing and a perplexing problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I have just given up on feeding the birds, uh, really, because I don't want to see any of them get killed by the cats. Well, I think the uh, thing of uh, think the thing of planting uh, types of trees and uh, different types of berry type trees would help with the birds without having to put out food or bird feeders. So that might help. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I like cats. I like them on coffee cups and cookie tins <laughs> and in the house. Thank you very much for well, your very wise, very wise comments. All righty, bye bye. Well, thank you for uh, for joining us, uh, Rachel. Yeah, cats are nice on things, but not when they're on things. If you get what I mean. Uh, let's let's keep going on the phone and let's talk with um, Margaret in Jackson. Who also has a comment about uh, about the cats? Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. What's your uh, uh, comment this morning? Well, I have had cats all my adult life, and I've always had at least one at a time who would get you up to wake up in the middle of the night to watch them eat. And we determined that if we put a night light in the kitchen, they didn't wake us up at night, and it seems to have worked. They don't wake us up in the middle of the night to watch them eat if they can. I think some of them are myoptic or something. I don't know. They just can't. They need a light on to see how to eat. Ah, that's a nice, neat little trick that may help. Uh, I think that was Robert. <laughs> what do you think about that, great, Dr. Major? 
That's a great tip. Uh, I had not thought of that. And uh, maybe the cat, you know, and you think of, you know, well, the cat's in the house. It knows where its food is. Uh, it should be able to see it well enough to go eat the food. On the other hand, obviously the cat wanted more light. So that's great. I appreciate the comment. Uh, we have one more caller before our next, for our last break of the hour. Let's go to Neshoba County and uh, talk with Bill. Uh, good morning, Bill. How are you today? I'm good, and you? Oh, we're doing fine over here on Creature Comforts. What's your uh, question to come in? Okay, I'm uh, out here in the country, and uh, I guess the first thing is I am seeing a lot of the fireflies, particularly around moonrise. But my question is about my dog. I have a little dog who guards our property uh, very carefully. Nothing is allowed in our yard, you know, from the smallest insect to the biggest dog. She doesn't care. Most of the time, it's just her running around and barking. The problem is that she can catch lizards. And when she catches a lizard, she tries to eat it, which gives her an upset stomach. So I'm wondering, is there any way to dissuade her from eating lizards? Well, it sounds like a Jack Russell. I don't know whether it is or not. It sounds like, like a terrier-type. It's a terrier mix or something. Right, right. And they, they're very territorial in a lot of cases. As far as deterring her from eating uh, the lizards that she catches, I, I don't know a way to do it if she's used to doing it. We do know that uh, certain stages of the, and Joe can help us with this, with the blue tail on the skink, uh, uh, they can cause some serious issues with cats that eat them. Uh, and we see those uh, occasionally. And these are the little, if you're in your flower bed or whatever, you see these and they have a, a blue tail, it's a skink. Mm -hmm. And uh, I th Joe, is, I think it's an immature skink and they lose that blue tail over time. But uh, I don't know of a way to keep the dog from, uh, keep your dog from eating the lizards that it catches. Okay, I was afraid of that, but thought right. Dad, sounds like a great yard dog. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a good one. All right. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining the show, um, Bill. And uh, I don't think we've had any help with our uh, uh, deterrence uh, today, Doctor Major. <laughs> well, you know, there may be some folk remedies or something like this that might work, but. Uh, this dog's got a habit of doing it, and it wants to eat its prey. So maybe they taste good to it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Let's uh, let's sneak our last break of the hour um, here on Creature Comforts. Uh, we've been talking with Joe McGee, uh, biologist Joe McGee, great friend of the show, about some of the things that he's been hearing and seeing. And I think we have a few more sounds coming up uh, with some of the frogs found around Mississippi. So make sure you do stay tuned for that. And if you want to uh, get a call in before the end of the show, you can still have time. Time, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 7464 Also, send an email, animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts, only on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. 
You're listening to Creature Comforts right here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest, biologist Joe McGee. Uh, let's go right back to the phones, and uh, I think we have a return caller, uh, Margaret, um, calling back. <laughs> she had a comment about the about the cats. Uh, what's going on, Margaret? Well, um, I, I, we got unconnected, but I just had one little question for Dr. Major about the cats. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Um, we have a we've had a cat who's developed a liking for cold cuts, and we try to not give him very many. Um, is it is it bad for you to give? Uh, I'm giving him the low salt ones when he gets any at all. Is that this okay? Dr. Major, is it okay for the for the for the cat, the little kitty cat, to have some cold cuts every once in a while? I would say moderation is the key here, uh, right. and uh, I think you're doing right. I wouldn't, you know, cats crave some cats. Okay, some cats crave meat. Some cats will eat raw meat. Others will eat processed meat. Uh, but as long as it's in moderation, I don't think you're going to have a problem doing that. Well, I, okay, I appreciate it. Uh, he. Uh, his name is Bullweevil, and he is definitely he, he begs. And so people <laughs> give him like the tur- a piece of turkey, a little little tor- torn off piece of processed turkey or something, you know. And I just was making sure it was okay. I think it's okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for calling back, uh, Margaret, uh, for that question. I, I'm pretty sure another cat owner uh, feels feels better knowing that, like you say, Doctor Major, in moderation. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Joe, before we get out of here um, on your um, show notes for today uh, about this next frog, we're talking about the bullfrog. You say anyone who has not heard a bullfrog calling in Mississippi has led a much too sheltered life. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean about that? Well, they're not hard to hear. And once you hear them, they're not hard to identify. You know what you're hearing when you hear a bullfrog. Uh, it's just an audacious sound. So, I mean, if, if you haven't heard a bullfrog, you haven't been getting out enough. <laughs> you haven't been listening. Not, you haven't been, uh, been listening good. And you can hear them uh, sometimes even late in the day. I mean, frogs tend to be nocturnal, but, but they do, many of them will call sometimes in the daytime. So I would recommend if anybody's interested in nature to, and they've not heard a bullfrog, to get out and Seek one out. Or you could just listen now. And there's no question why I guess it's called a bullfrog. That's exactly right. It has this low frequency call. Uh, I just think it's unmistakable. And sometimes it's said to say jug of rum. To me, they're just saying, you know, rum, rum, (laughs) rum. Uh, but also, was that the recording that Mr. Turcott made? Yes, all of those recordings were from yeah. uh, Mr. Turcott's uh, Mississippi Frog Sounds. Yeah, interesting on that one. You can also hear northern cricket frogs in the background. He record, And by the way, he recorded that at, uh, somewhere near Clinton. Okay. County. So uh, there would be an opportunity not only to learn the bullfrog sound, but the uh, northern cricket frog sound. Now, are the bullfrogs... Um an invasive species, I, I see. Not, not for us. They, they, nat- they occur in Mississippi and the southeast naturally. I mean, they, they evolved here. But they've been introduced out west in states like California and I think Colorado, all over. 
where they, uh, you know, did not evolve, and the native frogs, like the uh, yellow-legged frog in California and the red-legged frog, uh, are not adapted to this predatory species. Bullfrogs are quite the predators. They'll eat anything they can get in their mouth. And they have had an impact on some of the native frogs out west. Uh, and they've even been introduced, is my understanding, to some places in Europe. They're such an interesting and audacious species, but uh, it points out the risk of moving things around, uh, you know, moving species around out of their uh, the habitat they evolved in. Now, in about 30 seconds, give me a quick, uh, a quick um, pack that you would uh, subscribe for somebody uh, who wants to go out and uh, try to listen to some frog sounds? What, what should they have? What should they do? Well, they should check, find a wetland. By that wetland, I mean a pond or a ditch even, just a, a ditch nearby full of water. It's got to be something with water in it, uh, some kind of pool, some a vernal pool you know, that fills up with water in the winter and spring. Check it out by day first. You don't want to go out there someplace you've never been at, in, at night. And just go out to get a friend and a flashlight and go out. You don't need the flashlight that much, but you might need it to pick your way down the path. And just listen. Uh, and I guarantee you, you'll have a good time. When I go out listening for frogs, I always hear something else. Owls or night or you know, something like the Ch- Chuck Wills Widow or even mockingbirds sing at night. So you'll have fun and just try to learn one at a time. That frogs, frogs are not difficult to learn. I don't think that they're much easier to re- learn and remember than, say, birds. I like that, uh, uh, Joe. A friend and a flashlight. That's all That's all you need. And you, that's all and you need. Check it out in the day first. <laughs> and you'll have a good time. All right. Well, we appreciate you, as always, for coming, <clears throat> for coming on the show, Joe. And Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Stink Radio funded is provided in part by listeners like you. And if you want to hear today or past shows, you can hear them on mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. I want to thank Dr. Major, Libby Hartfield, and as always, our guest, Joe McGee. Coming up next is AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. Tune in next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts, only on MPB Think Radio.